Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Welcome to City Church. How you doing? Woo-hoo! Oh my goodness. My voice is already shot. Hey, so this is a really weird Sunday. You won't ever see me playing guitar and on a microphone at the same time ever again. This is your last and only chance, okay? So take it for what it is. Our worship arts director uh, decided to go be a beach bum for a week, and so they're on vacation getting sand in all the places that you shouldn't and having a great time and getting sunburned. He sent me a text the other day, and uh, he said his his sunscreen was defective, and he sent me a picture of him just like lobster red. And so it's a great start to some awesome vacation. Um, and so this is the first time ever that I have helped lead music here at City Church, and it might be the last, okay? So really, really weird Sunday. But my name is Drake. I'm the pastor here, and it's an honor to have you. How cool was that video? Was that awesome? Put your hands together. You don't even know why. Danielle made that video. Uh, my wife, she was singing over here, and it is awesome. And also, that music just makes me want to, you know, bob a little bit. All right, so today we're kicking off a brand new series out of the book of 1 John called God's Heart, Our Hearts. And I'm super pumped about it. I'm going to tell you why in a second. Um, but let me kind of just frame it up a little bit. So odds are the best way to get to know you personally um, is, is what? What's the best way to get to know you? Probably spend time with you, right? I mean, I mean, just if we're just guessing, I mean, I could Google you maybe. We'll see what happens. If you Google me, some weird stuff comes up, so be careful. Um, not bad weird stuff, just weird, weird stuff, okay? Um, but best way to get to know you is to spend time with you. What's the second best way to get to know you? Probably the second best way to get to know you is to spend time with the people that are closest to you, right? Would you agree? Is with me? Or the people that really know you. In fact, I would argue at times, like, like the people closest to me, they, they might actually know me better than I know me, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, sometimes I have these blind spots, and then, you know, Danielle lovingly reminds me that I, uh, I, I'm just, you know, rose-colored glasses over here. And so if you want to get to know me, outside of getting to know me personally, genuinely, probably some of the best ways to get to know me is to get to know the people closest to me. Specifically, if you were to get to know my wife, Danielle, because she's not going to hold anything back. She's going to share all the nitty and the gritty, you know what I'm talking about? And so you can really get to know someone, not only by getting to know them personally, but then also the people that they're closest to. And so I don't know where you're coming in on your spiritual journey. I don't know where you are on your faith journey. If you've like walked away from faith, stayed away from faith, or evaluating faith, maybe you're a new follower of Jesus, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. I realize we have lots of different people who come in different places on their spiritual journey as we have this conversation. And so, again, I don't know what, what ideas you have formed about Jesus and where those came from. Like, who is Jesus to, to you? And, and, and uh, what do you believe about him? And where do those ideas come from? But let me just argue this, that, that one of the best ways to get to know Jesus rather than listening to someone else talk about him, is to spend time with him. Are you with me? Right? We have this incredible privilege of, of getting to know Jesus from, from these eyewitness historical accounts. And what's really amazing is outside of spending time with Jesus, I would argue that one of the best ways to get to know Jesus, and, and it's important, right? Because you need to like understand, okay, who is Jesus? What do I believe about him? Are the things that he said, are they true? I mean, you should really wrestle with those and not just take someone else's words for it. And so be able to wrestle it to the ground, one of the additional best ways to get to know Jesus is to get to know the people that are closest to him, that were closest to him. And so I'm really excited to Today to introduce to you quite possibly Jesus' best and closest 
friend on the planet when he was on this earth. It was a guy named John. That's who we're talking about today. We're going to get into one of John's letters. John's a cool guy. He wrote five books in the New Testament. We're going to be looking at one of them called uh, 1 John, or some people call it 1 John. I don't understand why they do that. 1 John. It's just a weird way to say it. But 1 John is, is one of his letters. He also wrote the Gospel of John. That's like the good news according to John. That's John's eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. And then as an old man, he writes a letter, a couple of letters actually, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. You guys heard of that crazy book, Revelation? Heard of that? Kind of, kind of crazy stuff, right? That's also John. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But he was boiled alive, alive in oil and stuck on an island in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, Revelation came out of that. That's cool. Um, not discrediting it, by the way. But there's just some factors that lead into that. Um, and so we have John that we're going to be digging into. And here's the deal. We're going to be spending the next 13 weeks with John. The next 13 weeks, we're going to be walking through this letter. And here at City Church, we do things a little different. Like sometimes we'll have like a topical conversation. So like we just got done with a series um, to, like two months ago called Winning the War in Your Mind. And we dealt with mental and emotional and spiritual health and, and the intersection of all of those things. And then we just came out of a spiritual discipline series. And we kind of deal with like topical agendas. Does that make sense to you? Like we talked about fasting and generosity and, and kind of these topical approaches. But then we also like to mix it up and do an entire book study through the Bible. And the reason we do that, we, we kind of go back and forth, is because one, it, it teaches us how to read the Bible, right? If we're not careful, we, we, we have a tendency to read our lives into the Bible and, instead of letting the Bible read into our lives, does that make sense? We have a tendency to take our filters and our culture and our understanding and then to insert it into what we read. And so sometimes if we're not careful, you can pick and choose what you like, what you don't like out of the Bible and make it apply however you want. Anybody ever, you familiar with somebody like misusing the Bible ever? Anybody, right? Odds are, I mean, I've done it, I'm sure, um, <laughs> accidentally and on purpose, who knows? Um, but, but there's a reality, there's a lot of abuse that comes around like, like the Bible and, and, and it being kind of taken out of context, right? You've heard those words. And so while it's easy to throw rocks at those people, we also have to be careful in our own lives. Like you and I have presuppositions and agendas and things we don't want to see and things we don't want to dig into or things we want to ignore. And so one of the reasons that we walk through an entire book of the Bible is it makes us wrestle verse by verse with whatever is in that text. What that means is we don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to avoid uncomfortable conversations. We don't get to, to just kind of skip over that hard part that made no sense. We've actually got to deal with it. And so not only is it a tool to help teach us collectively how to spend time with God in his word, but also it's going to just require us to holistically look at the big context rather than pick and choose. Does that make sense to you guys? And so I'm really excited about it. We do this periodically throughout the year here at City Church, and so you're just hopping in on the front end of what we're doing. Now, for John, again, Jesus' best and closest friend on the planet. You need to think about it, right? Jesus, he, he, he knew a lot of people, right? I mean, he knew a lot of people. He had like first name basis and then just crowds of thousands of people. I mean, Jesus knew a lot of people, and Jesus loved all people, but Jesus only had a few close friends. He, ha he has what was referred to as the 12 disciples, or eventually the apostles, and then he also had out of those three guys that he drew even closer, and John is one of those guys. So today, I want to introduce you to John, and here's why. Because I, I think John's story can speak into our story, if that makes sense. So, so part of understanding your story is having clarity around someone else's story, just being able to evaluate it from the outside. But also, if we're going to be spending the next like 13 weeks with this dude named John, then we should probably understand who he is and, and, and understand how he's writing, the tone of his heart, what he's writing from, and honestly, if we're going to trust him or not. And that's an important part of this, right? Not, not just because Drake said or not just because you're sitting in a church and therefore it carries authority, but man, do we trust this guy that spent time with Jesus? And so I'm going to introduce you to John, and maybe hearing John's story will help you process part of your story. So let's talk personality for a second, okay? How many of you guys got a personality? 
Okay, some of you are like, I don't know. You know, it's debatable. All right, so, so uh, uh, the, the other day, uh, me and my family love camping, and so we're, I'm, I'm building out this, like, teardrop camper. And, and I bought this fan to go in the top of it so that, like, while, while we're sleeping at night, you know, it can blow air rather than getting all stuffy and sweaty and, you know, all the, all the things that happen when you close in a container and just sleep in it. So I bought this fan, and I installed it, and I'm pretty pumped. And I got it in there, and it's got 12 fan speed settings. 12. I'm like... For what? Like, I mean, I just need an on and an off. Maybe three, right? I mean, three is, is I mean, pushing it. But, I mean, right, 12? I'm like, well, is there, can you even tell the difference? 12 different speeds on a fan. I mean, that's crazy. Unless we're talking about hurricane winds inside of there, which, I mean, it gets close. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, man, I was like, man, that's a lot of speeds. And at first it kind of sold me. I'm like, it's a little bit overkill. So let's talk about personality for a second. Some of you, are, you you're just kind of like an on-off switch, right? Some of you are all or nothing all the time, right? How many of my type A all or nothing people in the room? Just me? Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Oh, there we go. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, others are like, I'm not raising my hand in church. That's weird. Okay. So, hey, by the way, if you're joining us online, it's an honor to have you guys. You can use all the digital platforms and the digital connection card to join us. Just want to let you know we love you and we're glad you're here. Um, so, personality, on, off, switch. Some of you are more like, like, uh, like my, my fan, right? You have like this gradual progression in your personality. So, so John is this intense, direct, on-off kind of dude. I'm going to introduce some of his story in a second, but like right, an on-off switch personality is a good thing when you're going the right direction, right? You with me? How many of you guys know somebody that's just on-off all the time, and so sometimes it's a really good thing, and sometimes it's just a terrible thing, right? And some of you are like, yeah, we're looking at you, dude. <laughs> right? I know, I know, it's me. And, and honestly, it happens, man. Sometimes I'm like full bore, and I'm in it, and that's a great thing, and other times, you know, it's ready, fire, aim, and, and there's way too much to pick up on the backside, and so on-off is sometimes, so, sometimes your personality is a gift. You with me? And sometimes it's not. <laughs> sometimes it gets out of hand. And so uh, um, here's what's amazing about John is that he is this kind of on-off switch guy. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. What we're going to watch is uh, today I'm going to show you how Jesus just amazing, amazingly redirects John's life. And here's the reality. that There were some things in John's life, and I'm going to show you uh, these things here in a minute, that, that they, weren't, they weren't great things. You with me? <laughs> There's some things that in John's life that weren't as helpful as they could have been. There were some things in John's life that probably hurt him and hurt others at times. Anybody else got some of that stuff in their life? Right, just me? Okay, good. I'm glad that we're having just a confession moment this morning. So, so we, we have these things. How many of you guys have things in your life that genuinely need to be re- redirected? Now, if you're struggling with this question, right, if you're like, yeah, you know what, I'm pretty good, uh, we should probably sit down and have some talks. Like, odds are we get close to the other people around you, I'm sure they can give us a list of some things that need to be redirected in your life. And so Jesus enters John's life, and he begins to redirect his life. And you know the problem with this conversation today, we're going to talk about that invitation for redirection, is that you and I are so busy, like we're just so eyeballs full all the time, either filling ourselves with distraction or hurry or busyness, whatever it is, we have all, or maybe all of them at the same time, if you're like me. We're so busy and distracted that we don't, honestly, we, we don't give a lot of time to the, the attention of the direction of our lives. So, so then when it comes to like conversations around the redirection of our lives, it's even harder, right? Like most of us aren't even paying attention to like what's coming up next week, much less evaluating like the redirection. I haven't even given thought to where I'm headed right now. And so this is a really big conversation, but I mean, I promise, listen, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, a couple of things. You're going to get to understand God's heart for you today, which I genuinely believe is, is life-changing. But then also you're going to understand the invitation into redirection and not just correction. Does that make sense? So let me give you the first intro. John enters the scene. I don't have time today to throw all these texts up on the screen. So I'm going to give you the overview. You can go pick up, by the way, all of our city groups. They start in a week. Woohoo! city groups. So exciting. And uh, we share a reading plan together. So we're going to be in the book of Luke over the summer. 
And so Luke is another eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. And so as you're digging in, you can dig into a lot of the stories I'm going to share today about the life of John, okay? So John is, is this, he's got a brother, James, he's hanging out in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. They're fishing with their dad, okay? It's a business, not like leisure, you know, fishing. I mean, this is like grinding all day, making a living, fishing. And Jesus is walking down the Sea of Galilee. He shows up to John, looks at James and John, and he says, follow me. And what does John do? Forrest Gump straight off the boat, right? I mean, just out of there. You guys seen Forrest Gump, right, when he jumps off? That was really funny, man. If you haven't seen Forrest Gump, you're missing out. I mean, he just drops everything, right? John's an on-off switch, right? How many of you guys, Jesus walks up to you, you're holding like, like, like your, your, your local business, right? Like whatever it is. You're a car mechanic. Jesus walks up to your shop, and he says, follow me. You drop your tools, you leave the keys, and you just roll out with Jesus, right? That is crazy. And that is John. John just on, off switch, whoa, let's go, Jesus. I mean, it's amazing to me that, that he just drops everything and follows Jesus, leaves his dad, leaves the family business, rolls out with Jesus. I mean, that's a, that's a little bit crazy. And so for John, the language used when we read his story is that he obeys immediately. Jesus says, follow me, and he does it immediately. Right, some of us, right, you're on off switch type people, and so when Jesus or God invites you into something, you're, you're just kind of like an obey immediately kind of person. All in, all the time, Jesus, yes, sir, you got it, we're going to do it. Some of you are obey eventually kind of people, right? You're like the fan in my, uh, my, my camper. You're like, you know, we got to run the numbers, and we got to evaluate what you're asking. I mean, Jesus, that's kind of a lot, and, you know, i got to make sure all these factors are in place, and we got to make sure that the business is covered. And, right, some of us get to that obey eventually piece and, and John is an all or nothing kind of guy. So, it, you know, I see it play out like Jesus says to some people, hey, uh, well, he doesn't say it to some people. He says it to all. But, you know, hey, if you're going to follow me, you need to get baptized, right? Some people are just like, cannonball, <laughs> you know, like, let's do it, Jesus. And other people are like, <laughs> in front of people? Like, soon? <laughs> like, how soon, Jesus? <laughs> right? We, we kind of get these, like, eventually conversations, right? Jesus will talk about finances. Hey, I want you to be generous and give. <laughs> okay. Let's run the numbers. Let's we'll see what we can afford to give. And other of us will be like, yeah, Jesus, take my money. <laughs> right? None of us in here? Okay. All right, cool. Oh, that was funny, guys. Okay. This is going to be fun if you'll have fun with me, okay? Um, I have a plan, I promise. We are going somewhere. Here's the deal. God's given you a personality, right? Just like me. And that personality is a gift. Just like John, it's a gift. Um, and it can be a good or a bad thing. And so, so part of it is you need to know yourself. And the amazing thing is our God already knows you. So God wants to meet you in that space. And so uh, let's look at the less admirable side of John, okay? So immediately, I mean, that's impressive, right? You look at John, you're like, okay, just roll out and follow Jesus. I mean, that's admirable. But then we see another part of John. He, this on-off switch kind of gets into the overbearing side. And here's what I love about the Bible, by the way. I don't know, you know where you are in your spiritual journey. But one of the things that I love and I think adds to the credibility of the Bible is that as we look at it, and by the way, when we talk Bible, I really try to avoid the language of like the Bible says because the Bible doesn't say nothing, okay? There is no Bible says. There's John says, and Peter says, and Luke says, and right, Paul says. I mean, it's people, historical narrative. But one of the things I love is that they don't leave out the ugly parts of someone's story, right? Like, let me, let's just be honest, right? If you're writing, a, like, a documentary on yourself, you're going you're gonna to make sure you include all the really good-looking pieces of you, right? You're just going to conveniently leave out anything that doesn't make you a super st shiny star, but man, the Bible just rolls through people, right? Shows all of their junk. And I think that adds to a lot of the credibility. It means it hasn't been manufactured and edited and copied and pasted in order to make it fit into this really believable story. But rather, we see this, man, all the broken pieces coming together, and we see Jesus do some incredible stuff. So we're about to just run John through the mud is what I'm saying, okay? Mark 2, you guys can look this up at another time. But um, G Jesus gives John and his brother James a nickname, 
a nickname. How many of you guys like nicknames? You got nicknames? Anybody? Nicknames, okay? My name is Drake, but sometimes I go by the rapper too, okay? That's also funny. Man, I'm full of jokes this morning and no one's laughing. Okay. All right. So, so Mark chapter 2, Jesus gives uh, uh, James and John, his, uh, his brother, a uh, um, nickname. And, and I really liked, like, on the front end of following Jesus, like, I, I gave my life to Jesus in 15, changed me, set, I mean, just amazing. I start digging in, and I see this nickname. Jesus calls them the Sons of Thunder. And I'm like, yeah, Sons of Thunder. I mean, I immediately see, like, this oily, wrestly dudes with tassels on their boots, like, bump, chest bumping and running in, screaming to a Metallica song. You know what I mean? Like, Sons of Thunder, right? Like, that's, that's who these guys are. And I'm like, yeah. Until so I started reading, and I realized it's not a compliment. <laughs> Like, I'm like, I, I thought about naming our kids that. And I was like, oh, wait, maybe not. Maybe we don't want to be the sons of thunder. So, so, so here's what happens. Jesus calls them the sons of thunder affectionately. And I think it's probably funny later on. But they roll into this town called Samaria. And Samaria is kind of a challenging place outside of Jerusalem. Um, these kind of half-breed uh, uh, Jews, if you will, are like mixed culturally. They've mixed religions. And so there's this really big tension culturally and racially between the Samaritans and the Jews. And so Jesus rolls in, and he, he being a Jew, um, is initially rejected by the Samaritans, right? And so the disciples are rolling in with them, and they see, you know, th- this lack of favor towards Jesus. And so then John rolls up to Jesus, and he's like, hey, Jesus, that's not right. You, you want us to call down, you know, fire from heaven and just burn them all alive? It's not exactly the heart of a pastor, right? Like, not really a shepherd's heart, right? Oh, Jesus, we were reading the Bible, and there's this, t- this moment, you know, when the fire came down from heaven. Anyway, we could do that here. But, man, just imagine the arrogance. They roll in, and they're all heavy, hot, and they're just in it all on Jesus. Let's just burn these people up. It's not exactly the heart of Jesus, I don't think, right? It's not exactly the idea that Jesus is going for. And, and get the arrogance, right? Not, not, listen to John, this young, on-fire dude, loves Jesus, and is just out of direction right now. You want us to call fire down from heaven, right? He doesn't even look at Jesus. Hey, Jesus, maybe you should call fire. No, 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 Jesus, we got this, right? We, we got it, man. You just, you give the word and we'll make it happen. Me, we, sons of thunder. This is a bit much, right? This is funny, okay? I mean, it's quite comical to look at the arrogance in John in this moment, right? I, I mean, this is not loving. This is, I mean, he wants to destroy these people. You guys see how deeply, like, corrupt and, and wrong that is, Right? Here's the deal. In that moment, we're going to see Jesus redirect him, but John has regrets, right? John, as a young man, later is going to learn that's not the heart of Jesus in this moment. So there's this, this gift of redirection. Right? There, there are some things in your life, there are some things in my life that need to be redirected. There's some things that need to change. That was true for John. And, and let me propose this question for you, okay, because I think it's really pivotal to understanding what God wants to do in your life. What if your greatest weaknesses are your strengths misdirected. You're made in the image of God. You're gifted, you're loved, you're wired in the image of God. So is John. And so, so what if our greatest weaknesses, the things that we genuinely struggle with, are really our, our, our strengths that are just out of alignment? You with me? So, so I'm, I'm like John. I have that kind of on-off switch personality and one of my goals, one of the things I ask Jesus for often is that I can develop a personality, I can develop a posture to where I can be tough and tender. I want to be tough for people and tender with people. More specifically, I want to be tough for my family, tender with my family. I want to be tough for my kids and tender with my kids. You see the difference, right? But if I'm being honest, right, that's a strength that God has built into me, a desire, not afraid to do that. 
But the reality is sometimes I get those wires crossed. And so then I'm tough with my kids and tough for them. <laughs> it's like a steamroller, right? Sometimes I, I forget the tender part, right? There's no seven-piece meal going on. That was funny, seven-piece tenders. Okay, all right. I'm just like a steamroller. I know, that was like way... Listen, guys, I'm like playing guitar and speak. It's a lot, okay? It's a lot. There's a lot going on up here today. Um, sometimes I'm just like a steamroller, and I'm tough with people, and I hurt them. And so, so what, if, what if my weaknesses, man, the things that really, really hurt others and hurt me and, and, and don't get me where I'm going, what, what if those are actually just my strengths misdirected? Jesus is going to redirect John's life. And here's what I need you to hear me say. Listen, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey and if you've started to follow Jesus or you're considering it, but Jesus doesn't, like, change you as a person, okay? He doesn't take away your personality. He doesn't change your personality. He doesn't take away your past. He saves you. He sets you free. He forgives you, and he redirects your life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Jesus would use this language of repentance often, and sometimes we don't like that word because we don't use it often, and so we have these ideas of, like, you know, fire, hell, and brimstone. But, but really, repentance speaks to redirection. That God can take the most broken, the most heavy, the most hurtful, the most destructive, the most out-of-whack parts of our life, and he can redirect it and use it for good. And here's what's amazing. And some of you are like, well, that's great for other people, but I got my life pretty well together, and I'm holding it together. That's great for you. Way to go, you. But Jesus can take the, the semi-good parts of your life, even the things that, that are genuinely beneficial to others and, and uh, you, know, you get praised for, maybe you get accolades for, the good parts of your life. Jesus can take those things and then supernaturally empower them to do more than you could ever ask or imagine for the, gl the glory of God and the good of others. I mean, Jesus can do so much more in and through us than we could ever ask or imagine. It's just this invitation. So let me give you the heart of Jesus, Mark chapter 10. Again, you can go there if you're taking notes on your own time. But, but uh, another scenario of John at his less than best, okay? He rolls up to Jesus, and, and they're kind of traveling to Jerusalem. They get ahead of the pack. So all 12 of them together, James and John, cruise up to Jesus. They catch up. He's at the front of the line, and, and they kind of get close to Jesus. And they whisper, hey, Jesus, we got, we got a favor to ask you. How many of you guys would like just one favor, right? Like, Jesus, I got a favor, right? Hey, hey, we, we know, like, you know, after all, all this is done, you're going to be, like, you know, in heaven and on a throne and, like, you know, angels and you're going to be singing your glory. You know, you're going to have all that going on. Um, you know, we thought, hey, your, your throne and your chair, that's super awesome. Like, we're so pumped for you. But we were really thinking we should add two more chairs. Like, one on your right and one on your left. Like, if me and John could, or, you know, if we could just sit next to you. You know, while you're being worshipped, and, you know, if we could just sit next to you and kind of, you know, sh share the load. I mean, Jesus, we, we would love, you know, we were thinking about our life, and we really need, what we really need is like a secretary to come alongside us and, and just kind of make all the things that we want to see happen. So, Jesus, we, we thought about it, we prayed about it, and we, we decided that you're the best for the job. This is funny, guys. <laughs> okay. Right? And, and so, so they recruit Jesus as, as their little genie in the bottle, right? And, and can you, and you see the arrogance in this? Hey, Jesus, do whatever I want you to do. I know best. What I want, what I feel, what I'm after, just do it for me, right? That's the arrogance of, of John in this moment. We, in our culture, we call it high self-esteem, right? <laughs> but, but in this moment, right, they're asking for something absolutely ridiculous. If you were Jesus, how would you respond? You're the son of God. You came to serve. You came to give your life as a ransom for many. You've made your entire walk thus far about other people, and you got one of your followers asking to be Mr. High and Mighty, <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Have you not been listening to anything, right? I don't know. Steamroller over here. I don't know that I would have had it all together. Jesus, this is amazing, guys. Don't miss this. We, we, we don't need more correction. 
right? This is what a lot of us think about. When we hear, when we hear following Jesus, church, like, we get into this idea of correction. And what does correction do? Correction on its own, it kind of leaves us in this weird space of shame and guilt and frustration, right? If all I ever do is point out what you're doing wrong, how does that leave you? Just defeated, right? It's, it's not very helpful. If, if, you know, as a father helping my kids, if all I ever tell them is what they're doing wrong, I'm just going to crush their spirits, right? And that's what we call religion. And it's so much better. Jesus invites us not into religion, but relationship. So we don't, we don't need more correction. What we need is redirection. Not just, here's some things that need to change, but let me show you how to do it. So you know what Jesus does? He doesn't look at John and say, I am so done with you. Just go. Just get out. Like, you're, you're fired, right? He doesn't do that, he, but he would have been justified in it. He looks at John, and he redirects him. Check this out. He says, you want to be great? That's a really good ambition. Let me show you how to do it. Serve other people. You want to be great? Let me show you how to do it. Put this towel on. You want to be great, right? He, he doesn't say, man, just idiot, <laughs> right? He redirects that ambition. And so some of us, man, don't you, don't you and I, don't we come to Jesus with some weird stuff? Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, we have this idea. Jesus made me wealthy. Jesus made me successful. Jesus made me happy. Jesus give me a spouse. Jesus give me a community that's going to meet my needs. Jesus give me longevity of life. Jesus give me good feelings, good vibes, right? Like, like we have these things. And even if we're not saying those out loud and praying them out loud, sometimes the motive internally is still showing up that way, right? And what's amazing, listen, as, as ridiculous as, as we can show up to Jesus with stuff, Jesus will look at those things and he'll redirect them. Jesus, make me wealthy. You want to be wealthy? L- let me show you how, how to be generous. Jesus, make me successful. You want to be successful? Let me show you what true success looks like by making less of yourself. Jesus, make me happy. You want to find true happiness? Let me show you what it means to serve other people. Jesus, give me a spouse. Give, give me a spouse. You, you, you think you need a spouse, but let me show you what it means for me to meet your needs. Jesus, give me a community that meets my needs. Man, let me show you the power of community when you show up to meet other people's needs. Jesus, give me longevity of life. Listen, if the motive is right, man, I've got plans and purposes for your life, but it's less about what's out there and what's right in front of you right now. Jesus, give me good feelings and good vibes. Let, let me show you how to have joy despite your circumstances. You see it? He doesn't, he doesn't just correct us, but he redirects us into something better. And so here's what I need you to know about John, okay? John, like, has this constant interaction, and eventually, man, I mean, Jesus starts to redirect his life to the point where he becomes part of Jesus' inner circle. And as he writes the letter of 1 John, he's actually an old man, like, pushing 100 years old. And so we're going to see the tone of his heart. We're going to see the sons of thunder, brash, loud mouth, just shut it all down, fight hard, grind all the time. We're going to see that personality changed into this, like, tender heart of a father. He uses language over and over again in this book of my dear children, my dear children. What does that sound like? It sounds like the tender heart of a father, doesn't it? Or a grandfather. Here's how we know that we can begin to trust John is because not only does he get invited into Jesus' inner circle, he gets to experience things that no one else got to experience. There's multiple times where Jesus only has the three with him. But then in addition, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He is giving his life in the place of the sins of humanity. And he looks at John, who is standing next to Jesus' mom. And as Jesus is suspended on this cross, he can't, he, he can't hug his mom. And he looks at John and he says, John, take care of my mom. Listen, 
you got to really trust somebody to give them that invitation, don't you? To, to, to invite them into that space. Take care of my mom. That's who John is to Jesus. Closer than a family member, John is to Jesus. And so we see these high and low points in John's life. And, and, and John becomes a pillar of the church after Jesus' ascends. Uh, hey, Seth, why don't you come on up, man? Um, as Seth comes, I'm just going to kind of land the plane here and help us wrap up this conversation. John, John uh, eventually is, is uh, um, tortured for his faith. He's boiled alive in oil. They're trying to shut him up because he won't stop talking about Jesus. He doesn't die when they boil him alive in oil, which is a sad day. <laughs> Right? That is a bad day, friends. And so it, because they can't get him to stop talking about Jesus, they exile him to an island called Patmos. And he lives upwards of 100. He's, he's the last of the 12 disciples to, to live before he is uh, uh, murdered for his faith. And he writes five books of the Bible, and we're digging into one over the next couple of weeks. And so you've got to look at John, and you've got to ask, man, what happened to him? Jesus redirected his life. So here's, here's what I want to ask you today. Do, do you trust John's report? Are you willing to trust John's reports about Jesus, his heart and his reflection on Jesus? Because that's really what we're getting into, okay? Let me show you just John's words in 1 John 1, uh, 1 through 4, okay, on the screen here. So this is John just kicking off his letter. He says, hey, guys, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest, tangible, physical flesh. He's talking about Jesus, right? We heard, we've seen, we've touched him, we were with him. That life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim it to you. John would say, the best thing that's ever happened to me was that invitation from Jesus the day that I jumped out of that boat. And I want to let you know about the best thing that's ever happened to me he goes on in verse 3. And he says, that which we have seen and heard and proclaimed to you. Check this out. So that you too, this is whole, John's whole heart, his whole reason, that you too can have fellowship, relationship, intimacy with us. Speaking of the, the, not only the, the community, but also God as Father. And check this out. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus. And we are writing these things. Check this out so that our joy might be complete. You know why City Church exists? To help people find their way to God from where they are. That's it. And God is searching and he's looking for you. And we're just a part of that mission. And our joy is complete every time someone takes just a step closer jesus or grows in their relationship with jesus or lives on mission with jesus or shares the love of jesus through their actions and their words and the places that they live work and play that's when our joy is complete what's what's john saying listen you, there's a lot of people you could get a lot of information from the question is who are you going to trust concerning jesus and i would propose that we should lean in and trust john because he's it's not some mirage not some some idea out there this is this tangible physical we spent time with him we ate breakfast with him we saw him raise a little girl from the dead and we saw him multiply you know loaves and fishes and feed 15,000 people and we saw we saw him die on the cross and we saw the empty tomb and we saw him alive again i mean G john is saying guys we, we we were there i was there what's more credible than that so, so let me give you god's heart today god's heart is the heart of a father. And part of today was getting to know John's heart. 
but the way that we understand where John's heart got to, like, like got to that place because of God's heart for John. God's heart for John changed his life. And if we'll let it, God's heart for us will change ours. So I'm a dad, I got a five and a three-year-old. One of the things that I'm working on right now with my kids um, <laughs> is getting them to listen to me, <laughs> right? And, and, and steamroller over here, right? I got to like really pay attention. So sometimes, right, I, I'll, I'll get down, especially with Grayson, he's my older, he's my five-year-old, and, and I'll get down right in front of him. And, and just in the moment when, you know, something's not going right, I got to chill out and I got to ask God for help. And I'll look at him and say, hey man, listen, I love you. Who, who are you? He'll say, I'm Grayson. <laughs> and I'll say, who am I? Are your dad? I'll say, does dad love you? Yeah. Does dad want what's best for you? Yeah. Is dad doing his best to help you out? <laughs> yeah. So then should you listen to dad when he tells you to do something? Sometimes he says, no. <laughs> but then he, other times, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Why is that so important? Because, because relationship, listen, relationship precedes redirection. If we get this backwards, if we mess these wires up, guys, it, all the motives get messed up, right? Then, then we're driven by guilt and shame. All kinds of weird stuff starts to happen. But if, man, if relationship can precede that redirection, we kind of understand, listen, listen, God has the heart of a father towards you. He loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. Uh, Paul would use the language of, of you're, not, you're not an orphan, you're adopted. Right? Jesus paid the adoption fees with his life. He signed those papers with his resurrection. Right? You're invited and adopted into the family of God. God is a, has a heart of a father. And so it's not this invitation like, do this, don't do this, do that. Right? That's where we get stuck. So we really have a hard time following Jesus when it feels like this to-do list. But that's not the invitation. When we understand his heart, and that he's for us, it's easier to respond because we can trust him. So my question is, are you willing to trust John? And more importantly, are you willing to trust Jesus? Here's the big question for you today. What's God redirecting in your life? What's that thing that he's been working on? Man, for me, I'm, I, a lot lately, okay? And, and are you willing just to say, all right, yes. We, we, we just process that, okay? I'm going to invite the band to come. Maddie's going to come up right now. Come on, Maddie. Um, you guys give your hands up for Maddie. Come on. Maddie is, uh, is going to lead us in a time of reflection and a time of, of communion, okay? And so we're going to worship together and just let this whole time be a time of response for you, okay?